My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 7th of March. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. An independent MP and her chief of staff are in a legal dispute about work hours. Sally Rugg is suing Kuyong MP Monique Ryan for pushing her out of her office. It's a battle over wages and working conditions. Sally Rugg's lawyers say it could become a test case for other workers who are asked to do what's described as reasonable overtime. We now have lots of information from the courts as to what each side of the dispute is claiming. And the documents raise some very interesting questions about how much overtime is fair. So what does this case say about workplace culture in Australian Parliament and how did we get here? We'll let you know in the deep dive, but first, Sam, some big news on the pay parental leave front. That's right, there was a big announcement. Paid parental leave will increase to 20 weeks from July this year after legislation passed the Senate yesterday. This extension is the result of combining the current maximum of 18 weeks of parental leave pay with the current two weeks of dad and partner pay, which will now be abolished. The law will also no longer give preference to primary carers or birth parents in allocating leave. Solar panels could be banned from being dumped in landfill within a decade. That is under new plans announced by the Queensland government. It comes as solar panels accounted for almost 1,000 tonnes of waste in 2019. It'll be open for public consultation until April. It was an absolute stinker here in Sydney yesterday. In fact, it was the hottest day in over two years, with temperatures reaching 39 degrees. The New South Wales Rural Fire Service declared high or extreme fire risks in some areas of New South Wales, with total fire bans also in effect in some parts of the state. And the good news. Scotland has enacted a world-first ban on an anaesthetic used in hospitals due to the harm that it poses to the environment. Hospitals use a number of anaesthetics, but this decision means they'll be prioritising less environmentally harmful ones. This comes after data from the UK's National Health Service found this particular anaesthetic had a global warming risk two and a half thousand times higher than that of carbon dioxide. Independent MP Dr Monique Ryan has been taken to court by her Chief of Staff Sally Rugg. Rugg claims Dr Ryan tried to fire her because she refused to work what Rugg's describing as unreasonable hours. She says she still wants to continue her job and that she's seeking financial compensation for what she alleges is hostile conduct at work. Dr Ryan, on the other hand, rejects Rugg's claims and the case is now being heard in front of the federal court after attempts at mediation failed. Give me a sense of who these main characters are. Dr Ryan is a fairly well-known name. She's the independent MP for the seat of Kuyong and she's particularly noteworthy because of who she beat at the last election. She won the seat off the former treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and it was the first time that that seat had changed hands. Then there is Sally Rugg. She describes herself as an activist and a digital campaigner and she's most well-known for heading up organisations like GetUp and Change.org. She's also really well known for leading the Yes campaign for marriage equality here in Australia. 
And so this story begins when Sally Rugg was hired as Dr. Ryan's personal staffer in July of 2022. She was hired as her chief of staff, which in a political context basically just means you've got oversight over all the employees in an office and the MPs. Rugg resigned from Dr. Ryan's office in December, but she claims that she was told she'd be fired if she didn't resign. And therein lies the dispute. Now, you actually were a political staffer yourself, so it's a good conversation to be having. Can you give us some insight about how the employment side of things work in this type of context? Yes. So every member of parliament gets at least four taxpayer-funded staff members. They are called electorate officers. And I tried to emphasize with my voice there, taxpayer funded, because it's you and I and anyone that pays tax um, that is actually supporting the salaries of these people. On top of this, MPs can also hire personal staff and they typically focus on parliamentary work like policy advice or media advice. And they're also taxpayer funded. The Prime Minister actually decides how many of these personal staff members an MP can employ. And there was big news last year when Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, pretty soon after the election, cut the allocation for independent MPs and senators from four personal staffers down to one personal staffer. So in this case, Rugg was Dr. Ryan's single personal staffer. And her job description specifically referred to the fact that her position is a combination of what would have otherwise been three or four roles previously, including a chief of staff, parliamentary and policy advisor and media advisor, but that the new limit from PM Albanese meant that she had to do them all in her single job. As chief of staff, Rugg's salary was over $130,000 a year as well as a staff allowance of over $30,000. And that bonus was paid to recognise the extra hours of work and travel expected in the job. Okay, and where's Sally Rugg saying this all went wrong? So the main dispute between Rugg and Dr Ryan is over the work hours and responsibilities. Rugg claims that she often worked over 70 hours a week, and I think it's important to say that that a standard work week, according to the Fair Work Ombudsman, is 38 hours. But according to Rugg, she was still told after 70-hour working weeks that she was not working hard enough. She claims that her workload, which included both parliamentary and then community work in Kuyong, was unreasonable. In testimony to the court, Rugg outlined numerous occasions where she felt she couldn't meet Dr Ryan's expectations and that she had to prioritise her family and time with her stepdaughter instead and that this created a tension between the two. Rugg accuses Dr. Ryan of being what she labels as hostile to her, including by ignoring or criticising her in front of colleagues, and Dr. Ryan has denied that. And what does Dr. Ryan say actually happened here? Well, she's publicly acknowledged political staff are overworked, but she's claiming the Rugg failed to adequately perform the tasks that were set out in her employment contract. She says that she lost confidence in Rugg for neglecting work tasks and disputes both what Rugg said she was working on and how hard she was working. And then there was an anecdote that came out that towards the end of 2022, Rugg tested positive for COVID while in Canberra for a sitting week. Dr Ryan suggested she could rent a car and drive back to Melbourne. Rugg instead decided to fly home, which Dr Ryan said she believed to be extremely irresponsible and morally wrong, as well as posing a reputational risk. Dr Ryan's also said that tension between Rugg and her other staff made her job untenable, but Rugg rejects Dr Ryan's characterisation. So this dispute has gone all the way to the federal court. What's likely to happen now? Well, the court has to consider Rugg's request, which is to continue working in her job. 
Rugg's lawyers say that she's willing to perform all of the aspects of her role within reasonable hours and they argue that she should be able to continue to carry out her duties despite any personal falling out with Dr. Ryan. But on the flip side, Dr. Ryan argues that the working relationship between the two has been damaged beyond repair. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. I think one of the questions that is raised for me by this story is how much extra work is actually acceptable to ask of staff in a political environment. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I think that from the outset it is important to note uh, that everyone that goes into politics knows that they're not in a normal job and that they're not working normal hours. I'm not saying that this is acceptable. I'm not saying that this should be the norm but it is what happens. And you are compensated to reflect that. The you know, starting salaries of people going into electorate offices or political offices are a bit higher than what the average person would be earning. I do think, though, it's important to note that the experience of working for a major party or even for a minor party is vastly different to what it is to work for an independent. When you're working for a major party, there are, by nature of how many members of a party there are in parliament and how many people members of a party, there are more people to do more jobs. That means that the government can send around policy briefings on a piece of legislation, they can prep people, there's research, there's all of this. If you then compare that to what an independent is dealing with, they need to vote independently on each piece of legislation as it comes across their desk. That means their staff need to get across a vast array of policy with far less resources than the major parties have got. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. 